Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Give it a try today. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I am so glad that you could be here with us to listen one more time to this, what I am calling a special episode today, because uh, this is being recorded just two days away from World Communion Sunday. And even though I'm saying that, the date has left me. What is today's date? It's September... 29th. 29th. So the 31st is... No, it's October October 1st. I'm sorry. October 1 is World Communion Sunday. And so I have a guest today on the show, and we're going to be talking about communion today. And it's not just any guest. This is a very special guest to me, and I'm in a very special place. Most of you, or many of you, I'm not going to assume that all of you have seen this music video, but from what I see online and from numbers of people watching and sharing, it seems like a lot of you have seen this video, and many of you have commented to me. If you've seen my music video, The Invitation, you've just commented about what a beautiful sanctuary that it was and just sort of how the video works together with seeing people being served a meal and then being served the Lord's Supper in the midst of that. And the the video just came together beautifully, and so I have no complaints whatsoever about how it worked out. Well, we are in that church today at First Lutheran Church here in Dayton, Ohio, 158 West 1st Street, right? If you're, if you're Close, like, 130. One, 138, sorry. Right. Um, I'm not good with numbers today, but 138 West 1st Street, if you're looking for a church home and you're in the near Dayton area, you should check them out sometime. And my guest today is the pastor of this church, Mr. Well, is it is it Reverend? Is it Doctor? Is it uh, not Doc? No, okay, no, all no, right. I'm just you know the Reverend Robert Swanson. Bob. Okay, Reverend Robert Swanson, and I call you Bob. That's right, right. absolutely. <laughs> or people call me PB. <laughs> well, yeah. PB, welcome to the Voices in My Head podcast. I love that. Thanks, Rick. I, I'm delighted to be here. Well. Um, you had invited me to, to to participate a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, oh my gosh, it'll be a little reunion from what we did in January sure. throughout the uh, in this church. Yeah, and it's because it, I can't believe it's been that long ago, no. and, and this year has flown by so fast, and so much has happened since then. But I wanted to talk to you because I, I find that your ministry is unique. Um, It probably shouldn't be unique among churches that I go to, but I'm in a lot of churches from week to week, and I'm in a lot of states and different places. And what I found here in your Sunday morning meal ministry is unique in that you have this beautiful time where you're inviting the community in. Um, It's early in the morning, and, and... it's an actual meal. I mean, when I came in, it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to put out the cereal boxes. It was like biscuits and gravy, yeah. and I think there was potatoes that day and eggs. I mean, it's like a feast when you come here to eat. And the people who are coming in, um, I'm assuming they're, some of them are, are maybe people without homes or some of them are maybe low-income people that are coming into the place. I got to meet a few of them mm-hmm. and talk to a few of them. But what I found so interesting about this ministry and and what I want to talk to you about today is I really feel like the life of this church is in that ministry on Sunday morning. And I think you've even kind of alluded that too. And you see in the music video this incredible, beautiful sanctuary. And it is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in. And and it's just the architecture, the windows, the the craftsmanship of the place is just so unique. I rarely see a place this beautiful. 
But the life of the ministry seems to be happening down in the basement where the food is being served. So can you tell us, before we get into the meal specifically, I I wonder if you could tell us first just a little bit about your background um, and, and what brought you to ministry. And then maybe just sort of tell us about kind of coming into this ministry and, and why that meal has become so important. And, and we'll just see where our conversation goes from there. I might interrupt you from time to time to ask questions, but feel free. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and the ministry here. Okay. Well, I'm a second career guy. Uh, I've been a pastor for six years. Mm-hmm. I'm 66 years old. So and I, seminary work was for four years in Columbus, Ohio. And um, so I started seminary at 56, hmm. and it's not for the faint of heart, believe me. <laughs> I bet not. Um, I was in the, in the radio business for 30, however many years it, it, it comes down to. Yeah. Can, you, um, can you quickly say something in your radio voice? The, your, what, what, what you're hearing right now, okay. what you get. Because I was going to say it sounds like a good radio <laughs> voice as, as is. But. You know, when I was growing up in, in the 60s, we used to have people... Um, they used to be called, and this is not a charming phrase, but they used to be called pukers. <laughs> You'd hear, hi, how are you? Good morning. It's, oh, it's 8, 14, 14 after. You know, they go through this whole <laughs> right. thing, and then you'd meet them outside, and you wouldn't have any idea it was them. Yeah. So it, it, what you hear is what you get. Right. And, uh, but I loved it. It was a wonderful way to, to make a living. Uh, Terre Haute, Indiana was really the base, although I was born and raised in the Chicago area. And uh, first job was at WGN. In Chicago, radio wow. and TV, and uh, you know, in radio, you can hop out, hop around a lot, especially if you're on the air. Yeah, it sounds like a. Sorry to interrupt, but no, no, WGN no. sounds like a pretty big first job. I it mean, was. Was it pretty? I mean, even in that time, was it a, as Huge. big of a? Because that's that's one of those stations that like. That was the only thing I knew about Chicago for a long time because we had cable. Was there's the WGN channel? You know, whenever you'd watch that. Yeah, so. that and Bozo Circus, right? Right, and the Cubs. <laughs> Uh, don't get me started on the Cubs. I have a W, so fly the W all over the place. <laughs> um, but GN is a wonderful place. It really was. And the only reason I left there is I wanted to get into sales. I was uh, in, the, in the marketing and sales promotion area. And I thought, that, oh, man, I want to make some money. I want to make some serious money. Priorities were all messed up. Mm. So, so I did a little bouncing around and uh, came to Terre Haute via an alcoholic life at mm. that time. And um, Terre Haute, Indiana was not just a hit or miss place. I went to school there, Indiana State University, and graduated from there in 1973. Uh, so the alcoholism was, was really the, the bummer in my life, but it's turned out that God has used that addiction and mm. that disease to help me better understand what people go through that I see every day. I mean every day. It's mm-hmm. not just on Sundays. Yeah. Um, as you know, we're a downtown church. We are. Uh, we don't have a neighborhood per se. We're not surrounded by apartment buildings or homes. Um, although there are more apartment buildings, but the apartment buildings and condos that are being built right now are in the range of four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. So. Wow. The folks that uh, so they're not moving in there. So. No, no, no. But but you were right before about homelessness. Probably fifteen percent of our uh, guests are homeless. Okay. Certainly, most are experience uh, experiencing life's speed bumps. Mm. Whether it's unemployment, uh, disease, sickness, mental illness. Uh, there, there's a lot of that, and it's not just here; it's all over. You, yeah. know, you, you don't have to have uh, uh, some of society's ills in order to be really ill. Yeah. Uh, so it's painful in that regard. But I think the Lord has really been able to um, to use that experience of mine sure. to better understand and have more of an empathy for people who are really suffering. Yeah. So can you tell us? Just, I mean, you don't have to go into huge detail about it. But there must have been some dramatic um, help, conversion, you know, sort of story in the midst of that where you found yourself sort of at the end of your rope with this alcoholism. And could you tell us a little bit about sort of that um, awakening or the surrender that had to come or, or what? Just you know the story and I don't. So yeah. I'd love to hear just sort of your testimony on that. Well, 
actually, before I was even much of a drinker, I felt very close to the Lord. Mm -hmm. I really did. And and then things happened in my life that that early on in my 20s, mid-20s, that um, were not what I wanted to to have happen, let's just say, um, uh, for lack of better terms. Um, I turned to drinking. Mm. And my pride, um, I really had not met up with many negatives in my life. Mm -hmm. I have a fantastic upbringing. You know, my nuclear family was just incredible. Great brother, great sister. My parents were fantastic. So I didn't, there was a lot of shame all of a sudden that was, uh, I was starting to see and and, and took solace or so I thought in the, in alcohol. Mm -hmm. And as I finally fast forward about five or six years, um, my wife, who is my best friend and she of 37 years, um, she, in sobriety, early sobriety, she, uh, she had this peace about her all the time. I said, hmm. what is it about you that's, that, that, what is it? And she said, it's Jesus. Hmm. And I, whoa, I need, I need that. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to get back to that. Yeah. So, long story short, I was literally on my knees and I said, you got me. Mm-hmm. You got me. And that was uh, 32 years ago when I got sober, uh-huh. uh, almost 33. And in the meantime, really felt felt a calling. And uh, But I didn't think it was necessarily going to be the, the legitimate ordained ministry, as it were. I think right. anybody, we're all ministers, for goodness sake. Yeah, we never think it's going to be that, do we? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not me, that's somebody else. Yeah, there are so many Bob Swansons around, Lord, are you sure you got the right one? So, it is probably a pretty common name, isn't it? It I is. Mean, actually, yeah. in high school, there were two other Bob Swansons. They wow. were older than me, and I thought, oh my gosh. Someone's listening to this now thinking, I know Bob Swanson, and it's not you. No, you? Right. <laughs> probably a pretty good shot at that. Yeah. Yeah. And if it is, call me at First Lutheran Church. That's right. Yeah. I owe you money. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I've derailed this just a little bit, but that's, that's an important part of your story, and in, in that you're, I love that your wife is part of that, too, you know, and we certainly have much to be thankful for in godly wives, and I know I do, and... Um, and you, and your story reminded me um, every story is unique and yet they're not unique at the same time when I think about the way that when God gets a hold of us it's it's God doing this work in our life and I and it looks a little different for everybody um, and it's it's funny how sometimes we prescribe to God how he's going to do it mm. but it seems like God's going to break in whatever way God wants to break in. If it's the Damascus Road and he knocks you off of the animal you're riding, he's going to do it. If it's in rehab, he's going to do it there. If it's in school one day, I mean, it's just um, God will break in. And I I even remember reading, you'll appreciate this as a radio guy maybe, um, reading Eric Clapton's autobiography. And talk about someone who struggled with addiction again and again and was in and out of rehab again and again. And even in his story, though, I, I don't know if he professes Christianity or what he professes exactly now, but there is a very real moment of him describing um, for maybe the fourth time, I think it was, him about to leave rehab and thinking, I don't know that I've changed, you know, and he's terrified by it. And he says um, he says he just broke down in his room there at the rehab center and he said, I literally fell on my knees. And he said, for the first time in my life, I just surrendered. And he said, some people will say it's not God, but I don't have any other explanation um, because I just, he said, in that moment, something changed in me. And he said, and I haven't had a day go by since where I don't begin the day every morning rolling out of bed and onto my knees and surrendering to God and just saying, thank you for changing whatever this was this addiction that i don't need it anymore and it was shortly after that that his very young son died falling out the window and he says in that book he says i knew if i could stay sober through that tragedy which was the worst pain i've ever experienced in my life um then i knew it was real you know and 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 he said and i've and he's remains sober you know to this day so i i just think of stories like that where um it doesn't have to be in the church Downtown, when God breaks in and does something, um, but so often it is those faithful witnesses of those around us. But 
but God will do what God will do, you know, <laughs> in our lives. And it's a, it's a powerful thing. So. It, it truly is. And there are so many different stories in our life. I say our, my wife and mine, <clears throat> um, that really kind of blow people away mm-hmm. to be able to share those. Yeah. Um, maybe at another time, perhaps. But, sure. Um, I, I find the um, I find the ministry not just here, but just being able to be part of a ministry, being sure. part of the body of Christ, the body, the universal, the sure. the small C Catholic. Yeah. You know, um, body of Christ is it's beyond an honor. You know, it, mm-hmm. and it certainly isn't a right. No. Uh, but I, I, I just, I just find it to be so humbling. Uh, the first, actually, I use that word. Uh, I was never humble. Uh, mm-hmm. Most alcoholics or drug addicts aren't. Uh, there's this p- false bravado. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's part of the mask that we wear, uh, that hypocritical mask. And uh, so, as uh, as I was kind of flipping through the Bible one day in early, early sobriety, I come across First Peter five, and it wow. says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And then talks about Satan like a roaring lion on the prowl looking for someone to devour. And I also say that's addiction, which is synonymous with Satan. Um, And I firmly believe that. Well, and even, um, and that's very similar to even the Cain and Abel story. If you look all the way back in Genesis and it says, I, I think a, a, an almost literal translation is sin is waiting to pounce on you. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, and it has that vision. I always think of that uh, about Satan being a roaring lion and, and God warning Cain, like, you know, be, be, be warned, you know, you're in an unsafe place right now and, and be on your guard. And he wasn't, you know, so. And believe me, Rick, that many people had warned me. So heed, H-E-E-D, heed those words. Yeah. And, and I think one of the biggest problems that, that I had is the fact that I, I wasn't listening. Hmm. I wasn't listening to God's voice. I wasn't listening to God's voice through somebody like you or my bride. I always call Juanita my bride. Um, <laughs> uh, or anybody else for that matter. Um, but I... Um, I, I just marvel at the fact how God speaks to us through the scriptures, through somebody else. Uh, in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the acronym ELCA, mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about God's work in our hands and how important that we get our hands dirty, so to speak. Yeah. Get on our knees with somebody else. I, I remember one person in particular was, was throwing up. He was so sick and drunk. Um, and called out to me, and um, that's what we're called to do, is to li- literally or figuratively, but literally be with somebody and, and accompany them, be a presence yeah. uh, for somebody else. Yeah, and those are those are hard things, and um, it's not <laughs> it's not necessarily always. Uh, or maybe ever um, a prestigious thing <laughs> in ministry at times yeah, when, right. when God calls us into those places. Well, for the sake of time, let's fast forward just a little bit. You've you've come out of this addiction, and, and God has helped you now for many years to be sober. And you're still in the radio business, and, and you've been doing radio for uh, how long when you decide, you know what, I need to listen to this call and start Seminary. Thirty plus years. Thirty plus years. Yeah, Thirty-five. Okay, plus, yeah. so that's almost a, a um, an Abraham type story of get up and leave your people and go. I mean, to do something completely new at this phase, you know, and and to to kind of change direction, your livelihood, everything, you know, has to kind of change at this point in your life. Uh, what's it like stepping out on on faith like that? It was, <clears throat> at the outset, it was kind of scary. Mm. Um, I, I can't tell you the last time I was in a college classroom. Mm. My first class was Biblical Greek. And there I was in July of 2007. Wow. And the professor was incredible. But the point being is I had support from my wife. Yeah. I had support from our children back in Indiana and grandchildren. Because you can't do it alone. This is not. And there had been a couple of previous times that I had asked Juanita. I said, "You know, I feel like God's really calling me into the ministry." And she said, "Well, why am I not feeling this? Yeah, isn't this a team effort? It's like mm-hmm. a team sport." 
And I, I said, absolutely, and I went on my business. So finally she said, it's time. So when, it, mm. when it's time, that was the, the cue. Um, but to go through seminary um, <coughs> and to have this calling and to, and to really feel compelled and called to the ministry at, at First Lutheran, um, had no idea what to expect. It's like yeah. the first day of the job, now what do I do? Yeah, you all know? right. So, so you came here to First Lutheran, what, what year was it? Um, 2011. 2011, okay. Ah, all right. So you come in, and this is your, your first? First call. Pastor? First call. Yeah. All right. Well, there's worse places to be, that's for sure. This is <laughs> it's fantastic. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful church. Um, and I know, I don't know uh, many of the people other than just a few that I met on that Sunday morning. But I know there was something special about being here on that Sunday meal. And you have told me yourself that uh, there is a service upstairs in the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. But you feel like the real service, you know, in a sense, is happening downstairs where service is happening, you know, to people around you. Um, And I don't think the meal that happens here in the church basement each week is something that originated with you, but it's something you sort of inherited when you came. So... Tell us about coming here and finding out about that meal and then just sort of kind of what it's become and what it has meant to you, I guess, here in this place. I, I think, first of all, the, uh, a gentleman named Dick Gilbertson was, uh, had the vision about, I'm going to guess, 11 years ago, mm-hmm. 10 years ago maybe. Okay. Um, and it started right up here in, in this wonderful little chapel lounge where you and I are sitting right mm-hmm. now, which is adjacent to the main sanctuary. Um, but then realized that oh, this is growing and we can't really accommodate, so let's do it downstairs where the kitchen is. Yeah. They were making breakfast downstairs and then bringing everything upstairs. Oh. So logistically, it was a nightmare. Yeah. We don't necessarily have dumbwaiters that you can bring right. the food up, right? <laughs> um, so when I heard what was going on here, that was really kind of the hook for me. Mm. Um, just because, again, it goes back to people who are either... what one might call street people Um, and believe me there's every flavor you can think of and um, we average about 70 people every week Um, pretty I'm going to say maybe 60 40 African American white Mm. Um, a lot more male maybe 80% men Um, maybe 70 well whatever Last week, for instance, we had 75 people, but yet 31 stayed for worship. Mm. Six years ago, 75 people, there would have been maybe 10 or 11 Mm. stayed for worship. Wow. Um, But what's happened is there have been relationships been able to be developed. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of hugging that goes on. Um, We do not, never have... um, made people sit through a 10-minute homily or a little mini-sermon, and then you can eat. Mm -hmm. The only deal is at 8 o'clock, or a little bit before 8, we'll have have prayer requests. Then we'll all get up, we'll join hands, and we'll pray. And then we'll eat. And uh, so so there is no... uh, What what word am I looking for? You don't have to pay the piper so to speak by sitting you're, through my you're, you're not coercing people into getting food right. basically or taking advantage yeah and so then you, those who who stay for worship it's all voluntary yeah and, and that's what's fun that's yeah. what's great and i think that's as you said earlier that's the ministry that's where the rubber meets the road yeah well and i and i've i've gotten to see it firsthand and it's a it's a wonderful thing to be down there and um i think the reward in many ways is that you are getting to build these relationships and people will probably consider you their pastor even if they're not ones that have stayed for the service before you know at times because they have a connection with this place now and i when i think about it um the idea of eucharist you know when we come together this literally translated thank thanksgiving you know it's it's a thankful meal when we come together um, and when I think about scripture passages about the Eucharist, and Paul is telling people not to eat and drink judgment upon themselves when they right. come together, 
And I, I think we've gotten that all wrong, like the way that we look at that passage, because, you know, I, I grew up in, in church, in the Church of the Nazarene, and oftentimes what I would hear around communion time is, you know, make sure your heart's right because you don't want to eat and drink judgment on yourself by coming to this meeting. You know? And so would everybody just kind of sit and self-reflect for five minutes before they'd go receive. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think what Paul was getting at was there was a real meal happening, you know, in, in that scripture context. And the people who were more well-to-do were getting to the meal before the people who were not. And they were eating all the food and drinking all the wine and everything was gone by the time other people got there. And it literally was not allowing the family to partake in a meal together, like a real meal. And Mm -hmm. he's saying, if you neglect those who are in need and neglect in your feeding those people who need it the most, you are eating and drinking judgment upon yourself. And I wonder if... The indictment for us today in the church in North America is we are doing very little feeding of those who are hungry. You know, we're doing a lot of self-reflecting, sitting in the pews and taking our own elements together. But we're not, by and large, doing a lot of what's happening here, where we're actually meeting a need and providing this meal. And I love that your church offers the meal first and then makes it voluntary but very welcoming. We'd love you to join us for worship today. We're going to partake in this other meal, which we call the Great Thanksgiving, yeah. the Eucharist. And if you want to just stay and say thanks with us, you know, that's it really is what you're saying, you know, when you come together to worship. Um, and I was very moved just getting to be in that one service that I was a part of there, and it's affected me. I'm so glad that we were able to capture it at least this one Sunday sort of on on the video that we had. Um, And the contrast between this beautiful sanctuary, a place of worship built for worship, you know, upstairs, and I'm sitting at the piano and we're in this. I mean, it's just one, again, it's the most awesome sanctuary I've seen in a long time. But then down in the basement where this other meal is going on, um, that's sort of the life that's driving, one is driving the other. You know, the meal is what informs the worship you know it's it's sort of i don't know how how would you put words to it i mean it's it's obviously been something you've had a lot of time to reflect on since you've been here um but so often in churches we're just with church people you know (laughs) yeah you're right yeah and i think when jesus would talk about either the other um i've been one of those people before. If I'm pointing my finger right now, there are three pointing right back at me. Sure. I can also be one of those people. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. It's just because somebody might not look like me or sound like me or smell like me or whatever like me. Does that make somebody a bad person? Mm -hmm. No, of course not. Of course not. You nailed it on the head with your lyrics. Every daughter, every son, Mm -hmm. every tribe, every tongue. And I mean... I just got goosebumps again. (laughs) The first time I heard that, I literally replayed it. Mm. There was a time where the ELCA, many Lutherans, and there are many different flavors of Lutherans, trust me. Sure. Um, You're supposed to be a baptized member Mm -hmm. of the church. Jesus never said that. Right. You know? So I, I make sure that people know that all are welcome. And the one that just stuck in my throat one day, really early on, and I, I asked the person, I said, out of curiosity, why didn't you come forth for, for the, the meal? Mm-hmm. I'm just not worthy. I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? You're right. You're not. And neither am I. Yeah. That's why Jesus did what Jesus did. Yeah. We're never going to be worthy. That's why we have this abundant grace that's poured upon us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I, again I get, and he now helps with worship. By the way, oh wow, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, recently was I'll call him the assistant, but he held the cup, and we do it by intention. Mm. So we dip the little bread, right? Sure. And, um, and I can hear those words he'll say: "The blood of Christ shed for you." Wow, huge. Yeah. Well, and you think about you know, and that is it. I'm, I'm not worthy to receive it. Well, it's true. We aren't. Uh, and yet, when I think of the actual Last Supper story, I think of the most unworthy person, Judas. Right. 
even he was welcome you know at this table he didn't have to make the choices he made he was welcome to come and uh, I preached a sermon not too long ago I don't preach tons but every now and then when I go someplace to do music they ask me to preach too on a Sunday morning and the passage I used was from Matthew's uh, narrative about the Last Supper and it struck me for the first time, you know, when Jesus is talking about, you know, the one who betrays me is the one who's going to dip in the cup. With, and, I, and I got thinking about it. I'm like, well, wouldn't that be all of them? Like, because weren't they all at the table dipping in the... Right. <laughs> the and I know he's specifically talking about it, but he's, in a sense, the disciples all sort of abandoned Jesus that night. I mean, whether it be yeah. Peter denying him. I mean, we, we give Judas a really hard time, and rightfully so. I guess we should. But <laughs> at the same time, like, this table where they were all gathered together, they were all a bunch of deserters, you right, know. Right. Um, even Peter, who at least followed Jesus where he was going, still was denying him. And um, and I, I often think of that when it comes to worthiness of what it means. We are made worthy and it's not because of our merit. It is because of the grace of our God who, who actually shows us that. And I always think it's a, a wonderful thing to think about. What's one of the very first things Jesus does when he comes back from the dead and he mm-hmm. reveals himself to the disciples? He brings them around the campfire for a meal, you right. know? Right. <laughs> and, and so I think that I think that the meal says something to our world about who we are more than our sermons ever do. You know, when I think of the the inhospitable environment that we're sort of in now in our world oh. today, uh, we're, all we can do is, even in the church so often, we're talking about building walls and we're worried about who, you know, we got to keep these people out. And, and, and I, I don't know if you've seen my new music video that has to do with refugees, but, I mean, I've gotten so many comments not good comments from people about, you know, when I just simply make a statement like your help is urgently needed and send them to a website, I've gotten, I don't know how many comments, it seems like daily, you know, um, we, we don't care about these people, we don't want them here, we're not helping them, we help our own, you know, type, and it's sort of like, wow, and you call yourself a Christian? Yeah. Like, it's just really unbelievable. I think this idea of a meal... That for one thing, I, I, I want everybody who's listening to think about this for a second and the sacrifice at this church. And I know a few other churches in your area also help with this meal. Oh, uh, indeed, yeah, indeed. for sure. It's not just you guys. It's a, right. it's a group effort. But think about it for a second. Think about your own home, first of all, and what it takes for you to provide food for your family every week, every day, you know, week after week. Now think about a church that has made themselves willing, or in this case, a few churches that have made themselves willing um, to not only put a meal on free of charge to people every week to uh, to what the Bible would probably call in many ways the least of these, but mm-hmm. I often wonder if maybe we are. <laughs> I wonder if the haves are actually the have-nots at times. Um, but then... As I said before, you're not just putting out generic cereal boxes. Like, it's a real meal when you come in here. I mean, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to go to Golden Corral and find a better buffet, I would think, than what was laid out here, you know, on a Sunday right. morning. They do a wonderful job, and I just think that speaks volumes to the the world surrounding this church, if nowhere else, that this place not only cares about your soul, it cares about you. Mm-hmm. And it's taking very literally... Um, when Jesus says to go out and feed my sheep, it's literally doing that. And it's not saying to them, you've got to come get cleaned up first or you've got to be in our service first. It's just saying, you know what, because God loves us so deeply and God is the one who provides from his hand, we want to do the same for you. Yeah. And you are welcome in this place. You know, it's, it's, it, it is such a breath of fresh air. I, I mentioned last week uh, to a to a guy. I, I said, you know, the only re- we really literally open up, unlock the doors at five forty five, hmm. um, but we don't serve until eight. And the reason being is because when it's cold or rainy or snowy or very hot, at least there's some yeah. refuge some and shelter. I use that word intentionally because you talk about how beautiful the sanctuary is. Well, the synonym for sanctuary is refuge. Mm. How many times is that word echoed in the Psalms? Yeah. You are my refuge, you are my strength. Mm. 
what is offered on Sunday is refuge for, it could be up to six hours, you know? I mean, by the time we get yeah. things all taken care of and the worship service is over and we clean up a little bit, now we don't just usher people out, believe yeah. me. Um, there are a lot of people that will continue to help us and uh, uh, even clean up after they have been the guests, mm-hmm. you know? It, and it's not necessary, but they do. Um, I often think about Matthew 25 and, and well, when did we see you hungry? Mm. And, well, then there's that term, when you did it for the least of these. Yeah. And, um, and I do also believe in that Matthew, I think it's out of 20 or 19, where it talks about first and last. Yeah. Last will be first, first will be last. Uh, and believe me, if we think we're all that, yeah. and we are, like, number one, uh-uh, get to the back of the line. Yeah, we get back to humble ourselves again, don't we? What we just talked about a few minutes ago. That's right, that's yeah. right. At least we should be getting back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it's it's wonderful to talk about this in light of World Communion Sunday because I, I have seen in this church and in this place um, the most beautiful, the most powerful um, visual, I guess, interpretation of what Eucharist is, you know, seeing it here in, in many ways. And I've, and I've seen it and received it in a lot of different places. But I think here was one of the most meaningful to me. Um, and there's something special that God does at the table. And I, I think we, in the church often, especially theologians, we argue too much at times about, well, what's happening here in this meal? You know, is this literal blood and, blood and body? Is it not literal blood and body or whatever? Um, and I, I think a lot of times I feel like God is just speaking to us like he could almost say to us stop a second (laughs) like it's a meal for crying out loud i'm the host you're not let me worry about what's going on in this you know (laughs) just know just know i've commanded you to do it you know because maybe if you can eat together one time a week like this maybe you can start doing it out there too you know And, and yeah i mean it's it's an amazing thing to think about um and yet we're one thing that really strikes me as I think about your ministry here at this church, we, we've been for too long in evangelical churches and, and a lot of Protestant churches around the U.S., we've been for too long obsessed with the idea of church growth and how can we grow as big as we can and how fast can we do it and what's the new strategy to do this. I love that this isn't a strategy <laughs> for one thing. It's not like some church growth, like, do this and your church will explode. And, you know, um, you are in this church and in this ministry. I'm seeing what what Nietzsche calls and what Eugene Peterson actually has a book about. I see a long obedience in the same direction. And it's something that it's very parable-like in that we see mustard seed-sized things happening that are, are growing into something much bigger, you know. And so when we think about... What's happening in this meal where you're having, you know, 70, 80 people sometimes on Sunday mornings that are coming consistently to be fed, Mm -hmm. literally to be fed by this church. And you're seeing in your worship services, um, you know, it started maybe only 10 of them are staying, but then there's 20 and then there's 30 and then it's starting to to grow. And you're not only having more and more uh, effect on the souls of people, you're actually influencing the world around you here too because all of us those 70 people week after week they are interacting in their world in their community and the reputation of the kingdom of god in this place you know the the word starts to spread in, in those things and we don't do it like for the reason of like getting big or the reason of becoming wealthy or things like that we do it because we just want to be christ in the world and i i am more and more convinced all the time that it's happening in these little ways that are enormous. And sometimes the things that we do on a huge scale that the whole world may see, sometimes those things are not doing anything lasting. But I've got to say, for those 70, 80 people, I think it's an eternal thing that's happening, you know, that's going on with the feeding of them at the table. And So just to, to reference my song again for a second. And if you're listening and you've not heard the song, The Invitation, that I I wrote with my friend Andrew Greer and recorded, uh, the words are to every daughter, to every son, to every tribe, and every tongue. This is the call, the heart of love. This is the invitation. The table spread with bread and wine. 
the life and blood of Jesus Christ. Take and eat, raise and drink. This is the invitation. And the chorus says, This is the table of the Lord, for everyone there is a place. Taste and see that he is good, the bread of life, the cup of grace. This is the invitation. And I wanted to be real intentioned in that taste and see that he is good. Not only is it a scripture, (laughs) but to be reminded, um, this is the table not of the church. And this is the table not of me. And it's not the table of Bob. And it's not the table of Rick. This is the table of the Lord. And it is where the church might want to fence people away from it at times. Jesus just doesn't want to seem to do that. <laughs> he seems to want to say, there's a place for everyone who is willing to come, you know. And and um, and maybe we'd probably have to do it in a different podcast down the road because I'm sure it, there's a lot of challenges that come along with it too. It's not all just like, hey, look at the good thing you've done. Because I know... Um, you know, when you're when you're in a family and there's a new member of the family and you got to bring another chair to the table, it creates problems. You know, it might be good problems, but it creates problems. And if there's another family member after that, it creates a new dynamic. So you've probably got as many stories about, you know, well, here's the problems that come with that, too, as you do as the other. But I'm I'm just so glad to see the work that's being done. And on this World Communion Sunday weekend. Um, I just think it's a good thing for us to think about and reflect on in the church and maybe ask the question, how are we feeding the world? You know, how are we doing that Matthew 25? If, if whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And on the other hand, whatever you've not done to the least of these, you've not done it to me. Right. You know? That's the painful part. We it is. That. Right. Yeah. And so I, I also have to ask that question. Not only what are we doing, what are we not doing? You know, what are we not doing and how are we not feeding? And uh, so anyway, I, I just I love the the, uh, the approach that you're taking to feeding people and, and feeding people with uh, the Lord's sustaining meal as well. Because I do think they just go hand in hand. I feel like a lot of our churches could learn a lot from this ministry and from... Um, the sacrifice it takes for a church to do that. I really do think it's it's a sacrifice of your because you have to have people willing. I'm going to be here at 5:30 a.m. on Sunday morning, you know, week after week, and I'm going to be making food and I'm going to give it to people who maybe sometimes are not even grateful for it, you know, <laughs> at times. Most people probably are, but I'm sure you run into people that, you know, that feel like this is my right now because I've been coming for so long yeah, and, you know, yeah. things like that. Um, but it's it is a sacrifice, I think, for people. So so good good for the people of this church that have at least answered that call, you know, to be a part of that week after week. What am I missing? Uh, is there something we should talk about that we haven't? That you know, um, I mean, not you know, off the top. I, I, you know, there are there are many other things. I, I really feel that another big aspect of, of, of ministry for this church is addiction. Mm. Especially with all the opiate problems, and right. I shouldn't even say problem. It really is an epidemic. Yeah. Um, I, I see it often. Um, I commiserate with colleagues, um, whether in the lay perspective or clergy. Sure. Um, a lot of people are trying to do things uh, about that, and there are so many that are gathering to uh, to try to combat that. And, and maybe if you haven't, maybe that's another aspect yeah. of a podcast because yeah. there's some. Some really gifted people that uh, that have the desire and the love for the least of these, yeah. or the people who who have fallen into that that mm-hmm. addiction trap. But as far as what we do, um, you know, we as you mentioned, uh, Good Shepherd Lutheran over in uh, in Kettering, they have their youth come over on the fourth Sunday, mm-hmm. along with moms and dads. So there could be fourteen, fifteen people, and maybe four or five of those are high school or even junior high school yeah. kids. And or people coming as far uh, as Miamisburg, yeah. uh, St. John's Lutheran, they come over here as well. So <clears throat> we really are blessed uh, to have so many folks uh, give of their time and their finances because it isn't cheap. And believe me, we don't have uh, a big bottom line. Yeah, yeah. right. And and that's what I was going to say. Even though it's 
it's like a, a beautiful church. At this point in, in the life of the church, it's probably not nearly as big as it once was and not nearly as wealthy by any means as it once was. And like many places in downtown Dayton here, um, it's seen some hard days. Mm-hmm. So I think that's even more of a, a, a servant attitude that I see in, in a church that doesn't have all the finances in the world to still commit to that on a weekly basis. you know. And, and it's probably... It's probably been something, um, in some ways, miraculous at times to watch how God provides for that, too, I would imagine, um, on, on those weeks when you're thinking, well, we've got to pay for this again, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how are we going to do that? These people are not paying for this meal. Um, but again, taste and see that he is good, you know? And, and if we're willing to provide, if we're willing to step out on faith, um, I think at times we'll see God in action in ways that we couldn't have imagined in, in those things. I, I really truly think it's if it's of the Lord, he will provide for it. He may not make you wealthy through it and probably won't, but he'll at least provide the need so that it can happen. You know, no, not financially wealthy. No, no, but a wealth beyond exponentially yeah. beyond what, what I've ever imagined. Sure. Ever imagined. Uh, sure. Uh, I just see this, the, the work of the spirit. Um, you know, we can, Talk about being reconciled and and, um, and being restored. Hmm. Um, just to to look at what what I see, what I saw last Sunday. Inter- interchanges in, in the middle of a sermon. Um, we 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 kibitz. We'll have questions. We'll have comments, and so it's it's kind of like um, not a free for all, but it's. Not many rules, and yeah. it's very rule it's not unruly. Um, but we get so much more out of it that way. Yeah. But it's all the Holy Spirit that is that is mixing it up there. Yeah. And you can just feel it. Yeah. Well, I, I think I want to close maybe with a quick story, and then we'll, we'll close out our time together. And it's probably an imperfect story, but it has a lot to do with the meal as, as we close out our time together today. And I want to encourage any of you listening today. I, I know many of you who are listening might have kind of stopped being a part of your congregation. I know many of you carry a lot of hurts and have had things happen to you in those congregations. It's World Communion Sunday, and I'm thinking if there's ever a better time to come, you know, come home, so to speak, maybe it's a good time there. Be reminded that this is the table of the Lord. The church is full of humans and as every other place where humans are there's going to be hurts and there's going to be people that at times rub you the wrong way but you're also going to find a family there and um, my encouragement to you in this again this is probably an imperfect story but from what I've learned about the Amish people and probably living in Terre Haute you would probably is that fairly near like an Amish part of the country or is it I know a lot of Indiana is yeah more um, north more north yeah okay Shipshawana, Indiana. Okay, yeah, Shipshawana. I was I was near there uh, a couple weekends ago playing right. some music. And uh, one thing that I've learned about those communities is when the teens get to a certain age, they have rumspringa. Are you familiar with that? Um, it's a time where Amish children or teens are allowed for, I think it's a period of about a year. They give them a, a set amount of time where they can just go off and do their own thing and be as hog wild as they want to. And their belief and their hope is that they'll get a taste of the world and want to come back, you know, and be a part of that community. But that's not a given, you know. Some of them go out and they never return. And the consequence, which always seems a little harsh to me when I when I hear it, is if they decide not to return, they can't come back until they decide to convert back into the Amish community. They have to be a part of that. And so I think of that heart-wrenching choice, and I feel like oftentimes maybe people that leave the church feel that way. Like, I want to come back, but unless I'm willing to commit, they're not going to open the door for me or whatever. But what I find also kind of beautiful about that story about the teens that they let them go out, they also say that if one of their children decide that they don't want to be a part of the Amish community anymore, they still set a place at the table Hmm. at every meal for that child who is gone. And they don't ever feel like the family is complete until that child returns. And so week after week, even though that child decides not to be a part of them anymore, there's always a place there at their table when they decide they want to come home they're welcome to come home you know it's kind of an interesting thing yeah and so 
as we move into World Communion Sunday this week, you know, may, maybe you've had some imperfect experiences in the church in the past. We all have, for sure. But I want you to know that it's the table of the Lord who, it is Him who is calling you, you know. And I would encourage you to try to find some fellowship. Uh, maybe it's a different one that you've been than where you've been in the past. But the idea is Jesus has a place for you at his table, you know. Uh, he is like that old hymn, softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Come home, ye who are weary, come home. Um, my, my call to you is in the spirit of our Lord. Come home. Um, you are wanted and you are desired. And uh, if, if you are in the Dayton area and you don't have a home church, First Lutheran may be the place for you this Sunday. If you're in Springfield and you don't have a church, First Church of the Nazarene on Home Road, uh, we'll be there. <laughs> we'll be serving a meal this Sunday. Um, come be a part. And if, if you don't live anywhere near those places, I guarantee there's churches near you. <laughs> Amen. Um, Come be a part of the family. The family, it, there's always room for you. I don't care how packed we get, there's room. And uh, and so you are welcome at the table of the Lord. So, well, Pastor Bob, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for, again, sharing your facility here today to record this podcast. Thank you to you and your congregation for allowing us to film our music video Ooh. here. It is um, uh, what you don't know about this and what I'm continually finding out is people are almost weekly sending me little messages and emails, people from different parts of the country, sometimes other parts of the world. And they say, I just saw this video and it's so powerful. We're going to, we're going to show it in our board meeting this week, or we're going to show it in our congregation, or we're going to show it, you know, here. And I just get different responses. And it's like, it's, it's helping people to maybe recapture that idea of coming home. So I want to thank your church for helping me get that message across you know <laughs> we are honored trust that. me we really so, are well it's uh, i'm honored that you included me and welcomed me in to do that so in closing today pastor bob swanson thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week thank you for joining me here this week on the voices in my head podcast I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace, who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.